0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet.
1: going to head up to McKinney and Jim, this is Jim. How can I help you?
2: Hi, Jim. Hey, a long time listener, first time caller, and you always help us out here. So we're very appreciative of all you do.
3: Thank you.
2: Um, you're welcome. I've got a circumstance. Great timing, right? Our air conditioner decided that the I have an evaporator coil that's leaking and needs to be refixed and repaired. So I called an air conditioning company to come out. We have a home warranty program that does some of it, and they're going to pick up the, uh, the coil and the uh, installation on that, and that's a good thing. However, what I'm finding out Uh, is there's a lot of code things that have to be, quote, undone. Almost $1,100 worth, like a float switch and lock caps and mastic install and elevation kit. I don't know what all these things are. However, are they always required is my first question that has to be done. And the second one is because of the refrigerant costs going up as much as they do, they don't cover much. Um, And, you know, it's like $100 a pound. I need about 12 pounds. So, you know, they're going to cover a little of it. But, uh, you know, I've done my kitchen and other things, and I've gone and bought my own granite and hired a good contractor to come in and redo the kitchen that way and stuff. So I've been able to save. Is it possible we could buy our own, like, 410A refrigerant and then have them install it or those kinds of things for homeowner to save a little? How would you do that, or can we?
1: No, typically uh, nobody's going to typically sell you the coolant uh, unless you're a licensed AC tech okay uh so th- because that is a controlled type uh, product uh, so that typically won't work for you but uh you said a hundred dollars a pound for 410a i mean i was thinking you you had uh, the the old coolant but
2: no, they're looking at the old R what is it R22 or whatever. I don't yeah. know. I'll have to see what the scenario is there, but they were saying it's uh, $100 a pound and of course the warranty company picks up $10 of it. So, it's about I'm facing about 1180 bucks that way. And again, that I just wanted to get another opinion is that expensive? Is that is that a rip-off price? I don't know, you know, so just asking.
1: For 410A that sounds expensive. Uh if it was R22, no, we're it's up in it's up there uh, because they don't make R22 anymore. The 410A okay. though uh, is still readily available, and and uh, that just sounds high to me for that. How, how old well, a system? How old right. a system do you have?
2: Uh, it was the house was built, I believe, in '93, and I think this is the same air conditioner from them. It's it's had a lot of years of good maintenance and all of that. Um, but it's uh it's the original air conditioner as far as i know it's a carrier so it's a okay. good brand so yeah if,
1: i mean you're pushing 30 years then on that system yeah and so. and that very well may be an old r22 system in fact i'm sure oh. it is if it's from 93 and okay, that would explain yeah why it's so expensive
2: I got to be honest. R22 is more than the 410A. I thought the 410A was the new one, and I'm confused, I guess, correct?
1: Yeah, the 410A is the new one, which is far less expensive than the R22. Okay. Um, If you are still running R22 and you got a 30 year old system, I'll be honest with you. I would start talking with your warranty company about, hey, let me pitch in. And let's replace this system with a new one. Uh, you are so energy inefficient at this point with a 30-year-old system. that mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to give you an example. The, the house I live in uh, was yeah. built in 73. I bought this house 19 years ago. The, the okay. air conditioning system was 30 years old at that time. And when I started using it... I was running an electric bill that was pushing 600 bucks. I changed out the system and cut that electric bill more than in half.
2: Interesting. Well, I don't have a high electric bill, so it's very possible I don't know have full knowledge of the system yeah. that I've got. It could have been replaced, and that's the difference, I guess. What's the typical price of R twenty two that you could see out there? What's the typical price of four ten? Just as a guideline for me, it, it,
1: it's been bouncing so so drastically, uh, right. but but the R twenty two has been running around the hundred dollars, and typically the four ten A is substantially less. Okay, all right.
2: Well, I have to find out which one it is. Yeah. I, yeah, I haven't got. Estimate directly from them yet, and that's what I'm trying and waiting on. So, on that, what about the code stuff uh, float switches, lock caps, uh, uh, an elevator kit or elevation it, kit?
1: There is nothing that says you got to upgrade to all the current codes. If that system was installed, uh, you know, and, and met code when it was installed, it can stay that way until you put a new system in. The new oh, really? system then would have to meet all the codes.
2: But the old system, I don't have to go in and get all no. these updates on that. No. Uh, that's based on what? Is there a rule of law or law? They say, well, the city requires it now or whatever. Or that. Yeah, they're,
1: they're 100% right. The city does require it now, but the city does not require you to retrofit an old system to new codes.
2: Ah, uh, so if I'm putting a new system, all that gets on there and it's required. But if Correct. it's an old system, it does not. Oh, my God, that's a huge savings. That's 1100 bucks you just saved me, my friend. Yeah, That's a big deal. I didn't know that. See, again, us homeowners out here don't know that, and that's why we depend on you, and we appreciate that kind of you know, straightforward um, information. So that's great. Um, Okay. Well, I'll take a look and see. I think I'm going to look a little deeper into this and see what's what. I know it's a harder hot day and do that, but I've got good company that I know is going to come out and and do it, but I just wanted to get a, a different opinion and
1: you know, well, again, again, though, double check how old that system is, because if it's an older system, right. uh, you know, if the insurance is going to buy that coil for you, they're spending quite a bit of money already. And if you got to spend that kind of money on the coolant, uh, you're going to be a long ways towards putting in a new system, and then you got trouble free. Ted DeGarland, and Colby, this is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement.
0: What's going on, Jim? How you doing, man? Great. So I got a question for you. It's kind of a unique situation, man. Okay. It seems like like today is the day of AC phone calls. So um, we actually had a new AC installed. It was a carrier. Um, So when we went and did the quotes, um, we came back and we decided we did a heat load on the house. And the house needed a four ton. So the contractor that we used, um, by some magic, elaborate miscommunication, put in three-ton carrier, not four-ton. Oh, yeah. Now we got a big problem on our hands. So I caught the mistake after it was already installed. Um, they did it while we were at work. And so I came to them, and now he's trying to get a four-ton outdoor condenser but this is my question so he's going to change the out the the one outside the one that's in the attic he said basically what he's told me is is that you can change the coils out but changing the coils out from a three ton to a four ton didn't make a lot of sense to me if it's a three ton unit that's up there does that make sense
1: it it does Uh, and and i will tell you a lot of the inside units are interchangeable with 3 and 4 ton units outside. Okay. So he, he's, he's probably shooting straight with you but here's what you can have him do just so you can verify it. Uh, all the manufacturers have books that they give to the uh, uh, you know to their uh, AC companies, their installers. Right. And basically it'll say Okay, here's the uh, outside unit. This is a three-ton unit. Here's the inside units that are compatible with it. Okay. Make sure that it's on that list. If it's not on the list, you want it changed out, simply because even though it may work with it, and it will, it won't work as energy efficiently as you need it to.
0: And that's my issue. That's not what we paid for. You right. Know, basically, at the end of the day, we want a completely different unit or have it ripped out and get our money back and go
1: somewhere well, else. But but like I said, the the inside unit may be totally fine with, the, with either the three or four ton. Uh, just make sure it's on that list because for every outside unit, there's typically anywhere from three to six inside units that are compatible with it. And a lot of them that work on a three-ton are also compatible with the four-ton
0: okay last question um is there a adapter piece to that is there like an adapter piece that will i guess connect to it or how does that work or is it just basically replacing the coil itself and that's it
1: uh he may not even have to replace the coil uh if he's got to replace the coil it's not a compatible unit
0: Okay, because that's what he's telling us that he's got to replace the coil outside, inside.
1: Yeah, not a compatible unit. If he's got to do that, then it's more than likely not a compatible unit, and it needs to be changed out.
0: Okay, because and and and
1: here's why. Here's what's going to happen. Every time somebody has to come out and service that unit, they're going to look at the unit, uh, you know, at the codes that are on that unit and say, wait a minute, this doesn't match the outside unit. And it's going to be an an issue for repairs and and stuff like that down the road. So you want to make sure that it's a a compatible unit. And and honestly, he's not going to be out that much, other than a little bit of labor. So he needs to suck it up and do it right.
0: Yeah, that's, well, you know, it should have been done right to begin with, but we've been running into that headache with him too so, I might be uh, checking out that evident Air quite soon, man. Just say not, the least.
1: Not a problem.
0: Hey, thank you so much.
1: Have you a bet. Day, man. Take care. You know, anybody can have an issue come up. How they deal with those issues is what makes the difference. And in this one, you know, if it's not compa- a compatible unit, it needs to be changed out. Mister Dutton, we purchased a new build in 2018, and The house has these plastic or PVC push-pull shutoff valves under the toilet and under the sink. It appears the one under my kitchen sink does not work. What's your take on these and should I replace them all with conventional shutoff valves? I listen to your show every Saturday afternoon on my drive home from work. It's a great show. Thank you for what you do, Gilbert. Well... Those push on and off, they work just fine. The issue that you run into, and you get these on the other valves as well, is if you don't use them often enough, they start building up mineral deposits that are in the water and they won't work then. And so it it can become a problem. So if you have those, you need to periodically, and, and I would say at least once a quarter, go around and... Push it to shut it off, pull it to open it up again, uh, just to keep the things working. But you really, realistically, you ought to be doing that with all your shut-off valves under the sink. Now, how many of us do it? Because I can tell you, I don't do it. Uh, I get, it, it, just like everybody else, into the situation where, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it and never get to it. So what, would I go and change them all out in the house? Honestly, if it was mine, No. Because they do work just fine, Uh, they just, like any other valve, they will stick from time to time. Uh, And at that point, then yeah, you got to change it out. And if you want to change it for something different, that's fine. My personal favorite, if I do change it out, is the quarter turn valve. And uh, simply because it's got a ball valve in there, that when you turn it a quarter turn, it's off. It's done. Uh, the ones which you got to, you know, the gate valve where you turn, 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 turn to shut it off, they run into the same problem in that the mineral deposits build up in the little track that the gate drops into, and becomes very difficult to shut the water off completely. So, yeah, I, I would, uh, I would keep them, and like I say, if you got to change the one out, go ahead and change it. Just a reminder: it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Philip sent in an email question. Hey, Jim, recently on your radio show, I heard you say you wouldn't insulate a metal building unless you plan to air condition it. Why is that? Thanks. Well, you, you don't air condition. I mean, you don't insulate unair conditioned space. That's the reason there's not insulation in your garage because the insulation is a resistance to the heat. Well, when you don't have the cool inside pushing back out on the heat that's coming in through the insulation, the insulation will just build up heat and hold it and release it, you know, through the night, where when you have uh, an air conditioner going, the insulation, yes, it will start heating up and pushing in, but the, the cool air inside is trying to keep the insulation cool and at night the cool air takes over and recools all the insulation. So it's just a matter of keeping the place comfortable. And what I have found is by putting a radium barrier in a metal building, you drop the temperature about 15 degrees anyways and it makes it much more tolerable. Uh, than putting on insulation that's going to hold heat and be releasing it much longer. So that's, that's the, the reason for that. James, welcome to Texas Home Improvement.
4: Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. i got a question for you. Actually, I'm native Houston and uh, just moved to Wimberley three years ago, and I've dug many holes in my lifetime in Houston in our soft soil. A little different uh, when you live on a rock. So my, my goal is is to build a deck behind what they call in the hill country a mother in law house,
5: uh-huh.
4: and so and uh, so I want to tackle it myself. I've already put the ledger board up. Um, we've got a slab that that sticks up about four or five feet. Some slope. Uh, so I'm asking you besides you know buying a. You know, jackhammer or renting one, um, what are my options in your expert opinion that you know of?
1: Well, this year the soils are, are pretty hard because we haven't been having the rains like normal. Um, right. A, an auger will typically take care of it. Now, how many holes are you having to drill?
4: Um, I'm thinking about 8 to 10. It's going to be about a 10-foot deck. By probably twenty to twenty-five, and I'm I'm very uh, anal retentive on not having a deck sway. My parents right. had a, 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 a weekend home on the west end of Galveston, and every time he walked out on the deck on over the canal where the boat was underneath, it just would sway, and that for some reason that just bothered me. So
1: yeah, uh, it would bother it me too. You don't happen to have a tractor on the property, do you?
4: I do, but it, it doesn't have a. It has a PTO for for the. Uh, it's just a small lawn tractor. Okay. Um, but no, it's not. It's not usable for what I'm trying to do.
1: Yeah. Well, then I would probably just rent a a, a post hole digger. Right. And drill them.
4: And that and that'll go through rock.
1: It, it's not going to go through rock rock, but do you actually have true rock there? Because normally we don't run into, well, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you're in Wimberley. I was lo- looking at yeah, something I, different. Yeah,
4: I basically live on a rock. And, yeah. And, and, I, and I'm sorry, I should have clarified that. I'm just, you like did, said you, I you said right. it,
1: but I, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. I wasn't. I forgive you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, if you are where you have that true rock, uh, your your only choices are, if you're going to try to dig down into it, is to uh, use a, a chip and hammer, jackhammer, something along that route in right. order to uh, get through it. Uh, because anything else, it's just not going to. But if you are on true rock, you maybe don't even have to go that deep down into the rock. In other words, uh, what I would suggest is they make a a uh, a deck block. It right. l- looks like a little pyramid. Dig yep, down to, t- yeah, dig down till you get down where there is the the rock, and use uh, bags of concrete underneath that to set the elevation you want and to make it level. Right, and you right. and you're sitting on solid stone then and and you you got what you need to go ahead and build your deck off of it
4: I, I didn't think of it that way I'm, I'm old school and I'm thinking of digging a hole and putting some quick creek down in there and some water and yeah, yeah that's because but, that's that's
1: because you're from Houston and that's what we're used to doing yeah
4: yeah old school yeah wow okay that's I, I didn't think about that. that uh I was thinking I was gonna have to use 10 foot eight by eight and Put sixty percent
1: of it in the ground, but that may not be the case. No, not not no, not out, not out in Wimberley. Yeah, when you're sitting on that that rock, I mean, you can start hammering through it, but it, it's going to be rock all the way down. Just sit on top of it.
4: Right. right. All right. That's good to know. I'm I'm glad I called in. I I certainly appreciate
1: you, and I appreciate you taking my call. You bet. You take care. Uh, I will tell you, with the weather that we're having. Uh, It is just unbelievable uh, how hot it's getting in Texas right now. And that's not going to get any better. We we are in the season now where our temperature is going to do nothing but go up. And one of the things we got to keep in mind, keep an eye on where the hottest area is uh, along the Gulf Coast. Because that area that superheats all the time, is almost guaranteed it's going to get a hurricane, and right now it ain't looking favorable for Texas. Now I'm not saying we're going to get one next week, but if this trend continues, you can bet Mother Nature is going to cool herself off by bringing in a storm. So we got to keep an eye on that. Glenn, this is Jim. How can I help you?
4: Hey Jim, uh, like your love your show.
3: Uh, question: I noticed over the last couple of years, my in, the the insurance for my home has not really increased as far as how much it would cost to replace the house if there was a catastrophic loss. But given the increases that we've all seen in prices, would it make sense to probably reevaluate and, and up, up the amount that they're saying? Uh,
1: Yes, absolutely. A lot of people don't realize this, but, uh, you set the value of your home. You know, they'll make suggestions sometimes for automatic increases and in that. But whatever you set your value and insure the home for is what you get. And and, and I'm going to give you an example. Uh, say you have a contractor come out and work on the house and it burns to the ground. Right. You've already set the value of your house, that's the limit to what that contractor's insurance will pay for the house as well. Got it. Okay. So if you you know, and a lot of times people will try to keep it low thinking, well, you know, if somebody else does it, then I can collect more, and it, it doesn't work that way. If you set it at I just round number, if you set it at two fifty, but the house is actually worth five hundred, all you'll get no matter why it burnt down, is the two fifty.
3: Okay, gotcha. Okay, got it. So thanks, and uh, I will be doing that this week. Appreciate your input on that.
1: You bet. You take care.
3: You too, Jim. Bye.
1: Bye. <laughs> and, and really, that is something all of us need to be looking at because the, the value of of our homes has really drastically increased, especially during the last year, two years. And if you haven't been increasing your policy limits Uh, you could run into a problem if if something happens. So I highly recommend everybody take a look at that because even though we, you know, we, we, we think we can get it built for that kind of money. You can't, the, the cost of, of uh, hiring contractors to come in and build them has just skyrocketed. Let's head to Bel Air. John, this is Jim. How can I help you?
4: Yes. Hi. Uh, Good afternoon. And thank you for your show. Um, Quick question. Um, thinking about putting in bamboo floors uh, from
3: actually foreign the core, and uh, we were hearing some mixed messages about not good for the slab foundations of the, this region. Um, have you had any history or any,
2: any?
1: Yeah, are you looking at gluing down? Yes. Yeah, I really don't recommend glue down floors. Uh, in in our area. If you were putting them on the second floor and nailing them down, they're great floors. If you get the bamboo floors that can be put in as floating floors, great floors. The problem we run into with the glue down is so many of our foundations we get moisture that comes up through the foundation and uh, the, it messes with the, adhe- the uh, ad- adhesives that we use but it also can mess with the floor itself. And it doesn't matter if it's bamboo or oak or, or whatever. Bamboo is actually one of the most durable wood floors that you can get. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know that part is, is not a not an issue. But here's what you can do to check if you've got a moisture issue. If you got an area that you can pull back and get down to the concrete, take in a one foot square piece of plastic, like a clear piece of of plastic tape it down to the floor with duct tape if it starts sweating and you only leave it there for 24 hours but during that 24 hours if it starts sweating you don't want to use a glue down floor if it doesn't sweat it's not getting moisture coming up through it you're probably safe to go ahead and do a glue down floor Uh, that's for everybody if you're looking at doing glue down floors um, Check the moisture. That that's a huge issue. And they do make moisture meters where you can check the moisture in concrete. Uh and if you look at most of the manufacturers, they have a range that they recommend. So take the time to do that. A lot of the flooring installers, they don't bother doing that. And then they come back and say, Oh, well, I I thought it would be okay. You know, they they kind of leave it off on you, but Uh, So, make sure you ask the questions. You know, is is my floors is is my concrete dry enough, or do I have a moisture problem? Scotty in San Leon, welcome to Texas Home Improvement.
3: Good afternoon, Jim. Just got a quick quick topic here. Um, I got a three bedroom, two bathroom house, and I got two of the bedrooms. And the other bathroom, uh, it's empty. Nobody's in it. Nobody ever goes in there. Would it be cost-effective to shut those doors in that room and close those uh, air registers off in the ceiling uh, to maybe try to save an electric bill? Or would that be too hard on my air conditioner? Or what? what's your take on people that do that?
1: It would be terrible on the air conditioner, and it actually can uh-huh. run your uh, electric bill higher than than it was before you did that
3: okay so people that do that that i guess they don't know what they're doing okay no i just i see a lot of people doing that and uh, i've just kind of wondered yeah you know, I, you know they,
1: they do it thinking well i'm, I'm going to cool less square footage and stuff but what happens is right. those rooms the humidity levels will start to go up on it and that does permeate out into the rest of the house which causes issues for not only the house but the the AC unit and makes it have to run more, but it's also pushing too much air because you got vents closed, uh, and right. it's having to push that air still. And it, it just back pressures too much. So it, it's just not good all the way around.
3: Yeah. I remember grandma doing that back in the early sixties and, you know, I just remember that as a kid, you know, yep. but, um, okay. And, and, and these are registers. They're supposed to be pointed at these windows. Is that correct?
1: Uh, one of the common ways to put them in is yes. That you face them towards outside walls. Uh, and the okay. theory behind it's, that yeah. is, you cool the outside of the room, the the area where the heat's coming in is you know the outside walls. The middle right. part will take care of itself. Okay. Good
3: deal. Okay. Well, a lot of people are doing the wrong thing because I see it all the time with all my friends. I just I've just kind of wondered about that cuz I thought maybe maybe I should do that or maybe it's not good. Let me let me ask. Yeah. So, okay. Well, Jim, I appreciate the information. I'll, I'll keep listening.
1: Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care.
3: Uh, uh-huh. take care. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.
1: Look, if if you guys want to do something that's going to actually help with with your electric bill and stuff, keep your filters changed. Keep the coils clean. Go outside and clean off the outside unit. Keep grass and everything, uh, weeds and and bushes and everything, away from the outside unit. Don't let anything on above the outside unit so that when the fan is on, the air flows freely. Wash those fins outside. You know, keep those clean. Anything that's on there builds up. Now, I will tell you, you'll see these misting systems where, you know, they hook it up to the water hose and, and it, uh, it, it puts a mist on the, the fins out there. And the theory is that it keeps it cooler. And it actually does. But in the long run, it will destroy your air conditioner. Because the, in the water that's coming out will build up mineral deposits on those fins. And as those build up, the air conditioning system will become less efficient. Prior to that, yes, that water is cooling it and, and it is uh, making it more efficient. But the long-term effect actually ends up costing you more than the short-term gain. Sean in Dallas, how can I help you? Yeah, what's up, man? Oh, temperatures, that's for sure. Yeah, that is that is a, that is a fact. That go, that, right, man, it seems to be going right up there with the cost of gas. Oh, cost of everything, really. <laughs> All right, man, I got a question about a split unit
5: that I'm putting in my garage. I do a lot of work in my garage, so I need an AC unit in there. Okay. I've already... I've already it's... Uh, I think it's like a little more than 600 square feet garage. I put a 1,500 square unit in there, 24,000 BTU. And my question to you is, do I need to have someone, a technician, come and install the, the copper lines, or is that something I can do? I, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty familiar with AC systems. I'm a mechanic, so there's obviously going to be air in the lines. Shouldn't that, that that air be vacuumed out of those lines? I know they come pre-charged, but isn't that something that needs to be done?
1: It depends on the kit you bought. Some of them are already charged, where it's really just a matter of hooking them up, and it's it's all taken care of. the The big trick with these mini split systems, though, you know, a, a regular air conditioning system, if it's a pound or two off on the coolant, is no big deal. Okay. It's a huge deal on these mini splits.
5: Yeah, that's that's what my tech guy was telling me. He said they have to be very, very accurate, or they
1: yep. won't last. Yeah, and they won't cool properly either. So right. you know, if if you want to run the lines and have them in place and everything, and and uh, can get somebody to come out come out and hook them up that you know is familiar with the charging of them and all that stuff, you'll be way ahead.
5: Right on. Well, like I said, mine comes pre-charged, but when you put the lines in, it only makes sense. They're full of air. They're not. They're. I mean, you got to vacuum that air out somehow.
1: Well, some of them come where they're actually a threaded system where you know it it hooks up that way, and so you don't lose what's in the lines.
5: Okay, so they almost overpressure them. So when you do, yes. Okay, all right.
1: And that and that and that's why it does take somebody who knows how to set that pressure right.
5: Right. Absolutely. Okay. And and one more question. Sure. I noticed I noticed that on on some of the warranty, they won't warranty them unless you have a, a HVAC guy put it in. Correct. And they don't is, tell you that. They don't tell you that on Amazon, by the no, way.
1: No, they don't. <laughs> is that correct? That is correct. Okay. All right. Cool. Hey, man, and I appreciate it. well, and I'm going to tell you up front. Unless you have a buddy in the business, it can be very hard to find somebody who's willing to come in and and do the hookup for you. Yeah, uh, but, I
5: have. I have three gentlemen in the business. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it sounded like you did. So I, I would definitely. You know, talk with them if they'll let you run the the lines, which most of the time running lines is not a skilled labor, anyways. Uh, right, but, but then let them come in and do the final hookup. Uh, right, you, sh- you should be okay. How much
5: you look? How much you think they should charge me for that? No more than a hundred bucks.
1: It depends on how good a buddy they are. Right.
5: Well, I mean, but, okay. So let's say. Uh, I wasn't but no, going- it. it
1: if you call a company to come out, it'll definitely yeah. be more than a hundred bucks because okay. right. uh, just a service call to go out nowadays is running anywhere from eighty to one hundred and twenty dollars. Okay, right on.
5: All right, man, I appreciate it. I just want to let everybody else know about the whole air conditioner thing—the uh, split units.
1: Oh no, split about units are great. About the warranty and stuff. Yeah. Now the big the big issue is, I don't typically recommend people buy it themselves. And try to install it. I, I recommend that you do have an AC company do the install. And that way you'll get the better warranties and everything on them. You know, right. uh, even, even uh, with ordering it that way, uh, you typically are getting a much shorter warranty than you do if you buy it from an AC guy. A lot of times if you buy it from an AC company and they do the install and everything, you end up with a 10-year warranty on it.
5: Yeah, they'll, they'll give you a longer warranty. And yep. and, I, and I would have done that, but I already kind of screwed up and ordered it. I'm learning after the fact, so here we sure. go. <laughs> yep. All right. Thank All you right. Care. You take
0: care. You've just heard the best calls and questions
3: from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.